It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Hi, I'm Stacy Tresendos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. And this week, Stacy and I have been reminiscing about our childhood and how simpler it was back then uh-huh. and where we are today as Catholic women. I mean, from those Andy Griffith Mayberry moments of our childhood, playing outside with friends till it got dark, neighbors getting together to shuck corn and shell peas on the big front porch of my grandmother's house. Yes. I'm just building memories and relationships within our families to how much we gained from being raised as Protestants, and now so thankful that we found our way to the Catholic Church. I mean, I love the nostalgia, especially being back here at home in Texas. Something about when summer begins, it brings back all those memories of spending time with our grandparents and our siblings. Mm -hmm. I was so happy to return to Texas five years ago in 2017. After being in the Northeast my whole adult life, um, Virginia, then moving north, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, New York. But I remember because I had converted to Catholicism by then, and I didn't just return home to Texas. I returned home to Texas having come home in the Catholic Church. So I felt like I'd been on an odyssey around the northeastern part of the United States, and then I came back to my homeland. It, It was really wonderful to come back. I remember when Pat first told me about the Eucharist. First, I couldn't believe that I'd never even heard this word before. How could I have even no. lived on this planet all these years and not heard about this? Me neither. As he was talking, I listened. And when he finished, the first thing I said was, you mean you get Jesus and <laughs> I get a cracker? I mean, I want Jesus. I loved Jesus as a little girl at the mm-hmm. Baptist church with you, Stacy, where we grew mm-hmm. up at Mount Olive Baptist Church and little country mm-hmm. church. It's still there. My parents are now going back there again oh. uh, now that they've moved back to Paris. <laughs> My maternal grandmother, we called her Nini. I'm the oldest, so that's what I named her. Aww. She even told me, she said, Stacy, you need to write your prayers down every day in a prayer journal. And she took me to like a, a little Christian gift shop and bought me a little prayer journal. And she kept buying them for me. Every time I would run out, she would buy me more. Thanks to my grandmother, Nini, I had this relationship with Jesus on a very practical lived level. And what's so great about it is I have my entire childhood from about age nine on written down and recorded in little Dear Jesus prayers every day. Dear Jesus, it's Stacy writing down like kind of like a diary, but it was my prayers. I have boxes of these journals. That's incredible. In my attic (laughs) that my mom saved for me. I remember growing up, I felt very close to Jesus as a little girl. I remember getting older as a teenager and feeling like then it changed. I felt like I was praying to a brick wall or an Mm. invisible God. That, among other things, kind of led me to leaving religion when I got into college. I I lost my religion in 1991, the same year REM came out with that song, Losing My Religion. (laughs) That is one thing that's different about me and you, Stacey, is I left the Baptist faith of my childhood when I went off to college. 
But you didn't do that. Your life didn't take you in that direction. You remained a woman of faith through a very difficult life. Yeah. Well, you know, once I once we graduated high school and I moved to Dallas, I did go through a, a time of, you know, years in there where I was just uh, lost and trying to navigate through, but quickly came back. I mean, in my early 20s. And, you know, I can relate to your brick wall because I felt like I had hit one too. I could like I could only get so close to Jesus and no closer. So when I found out about the true presence, mm-hmm. that's why I was so drawn to the Catholic Church because I had been searching. I wanted more of Jesus. And I remember as a Protestant, you know, I prayed to God all the time. I I love to teach on prayer, how to pray scripture, the prayer of agreement, standing and declaring God's word, prayer of intercession, just just pouring your heart out to God mm-hmm. and And as a Catholic, I still do that. I still pour my heart out to God. I still pray. The word tells us actually to pray without ceasing. As a Catholic, I feel, though, that I have gained even more tools for my tool belt. Because now, in addition to, I have the Our Father, the Anima Christi. I can pray a rosary. I have saints who intercede for us. I have my Holy Mm -hmm. Mother who intercedes for me and has so many times. And... My favorite thing is now to sit and pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I mean, I didn't lose anything by becoming Catholic. I gained so much more. And honestly, I am unapologetically thankful for my Protestant background and all that it taught me. But but I am so, so thankful that I am now Catholic. For a long time, I felt like to be a good Catholic I had to stop doing anything that Protestants do because I hear this in the Catholic media world all the time. Even now, they they disdain Protestants. They look down on some of the practices of Protestants that are a little too happy, clappy and a little too feel good. And mm-hmm. I felt like I had to stop doing anything like even even to the point of Christian music. There was a blogger that wrote about how shallow Christian music is and how mm-hmm. much greater um, Gregorian chant is, and it is great. It is beautiful, but Mm -hmm. it made me afraid to listen to Christian music when I'm alone in my car driving down the road, when there were many times I needed just Mm -hmm. that simplicity and beauty of music to feel like I wasn't praying to a brick wall. I felt like I had to be all serious and studious. And I used to hide the fact that I'm a convert because I was afraid cradle Catholics wouldn't think I was a good enough Catholic unless I too was a cradle Catholic. And I know that sounds crazy to even say Mm -mm. it out loud, but shoot, I still sometimes worry about that, even though I know I shouldn't. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only one that has certain thoughts and feelings. And then all of a sudden you say something and I don't feel like I'm the only one anymore. I mean, it's, it's just good to know that other people have experienced the same feelings and struggles. And I mean, I got opposition from both Catholic and Protestants when I started. I bet you did. I did. Yeah. And it, I'm, I always say I came into the church kicking and screaming. And I know one of these days we're going to talk more about that <laughs> and why I kicked and screamed so much. But, but, um, but anyway, back to our childhood. One thing. I'm thankful for, as I remember going to church as a little girl, was sword drills. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, yes. I was I was a master. 
Oh, I bet you were. I bet you were. Sword, sword referred to the word of God because in Ephesians 6, it tells us that the about the armor of God. And it says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we would hold up our Bibles as swords. I know. Sharpen our swords. We would basically have scripture trivia or Bible verse races. Whoever found the scripture first got to read it out loud kind of thing. Yep. I mean, this made learning the Bible fun, but it worked. Because of that and because of my grandmother, Nini, who gave <laughs> me the the uh, prayer journals, she also told me, Stacy, you need to read your Bible every night. You need to read one chapter a night. Not only did I record my whole childhood in Dear Jesus Prayers, I read the Bible three times through before wow. I grew up. The Baptist taught me that having a relationship with Jesus was the most important thing about my faith. You know, um, I remember my first encounter with Jesus came through the Good News van. There was a woman who would go around the neighborhood picking up kids in her van and taking them to her house. Okay, that sounds like the start of a very, very bad story. No, I love that, the Good News van. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, she would serve, She would take us to her house and she'd serve us cookies or snacks. And we would all sit in the floor and just, I remember just looking up at her with my glass of lemonade and a <laughs> cookie and just listening to her talk about Jesus and share Bible stories. And just, she made the Bible come alive to me. Yeah. And I mean, she was just doing that in her free time. And I think the world of that woman, and I don't even remember her name, but she invested in us. And I am so appreciative of that because I learned so much. I remember every summer going to vacation Bible school. Do you remember going to vacation oh, Bible yes. school at Mount mm -hmm. Olive? Yes. I mean, I look forward to it every summer. And then even as I grew up and had my own family, our church did the same thing. And I signed my kids up every summer. I remember that the parents were so involved. It wasn't some big rule from some big hierarchy within the Baptist church, because the Baptist church doesn't really have a hierarchy. There's no, there's no Pope or Cardinals or bishops. It was just something everybody in our community did. Even the ones that weren't Baptist, the churches all had vacation Bible school. I remember when Mount Olive Baptist Church built a gymnasium to be mm -hmm. the fellowship center. It was kind of like, it was kind of like keeping up with the Joneses because other <laughs> churches were building their gyms. Mm -hmm. And um, so all the churches were building fellowship centers and they were big gyms where you could have potlucks and play basketball and have game night. It was the center of the communal life. It was mm -hmm. the center. It wasn't, we didn't have a town square that we went down to. We went to the church on Friday nights and everybody brought a dish of food. It was a potluck. Um, we had baby showers in that fellowship hall, volleyball games, board games, and Friday nights were the fellowship nights. That's just when all the families came together to hang out. You talk about game night. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. seriously. Anytime y'all want to get together for game night, let me know. I mean, chicken foot, cards, dominoes, charades. All right. I loved play games. This last year at Christmas, I designed my own family feud game oh, for my goodness. family. And we had a blast feuding. Oh, we got a little competitive, but it was so much fun fun. And I love to try to do something really different when we, when my family gets together, because there's so many of us, we don't, you know, getting us all together is an event. So yeah, I try to find, find something fun for us to do. So as we're talking about this now, you know, I feel, I feel a little bad looking back on my past because after all those good times and good memories, I still walked away from the faith 
in college. And it, and it was, it's another story. It was because of science. I was looking for the truth. I became convinced that science has all the truth and religion was just for the simple old fashioned people. I didn't just leave my faith. I, l I eventually left Texas, moved up North. But Stacey, you never left the faith. I think we do have some comparisons to make here because I regrettably did not raise my oldest two kids with any religion. I had my oldest sweet daughter when I was 20. She's now 33. Um, and I had my son five years later. So they're grown people with they're married and they're starting their own lives um, and families. And I didn't raise either one of those with any religion. Mm -hmm. But you did, Stacy. You raised your kids in the Protestant faith all along. You never stopped doing that. Um, but this is one thing I love about you, Stacy. I want everybody to listen to what I'm about to say because I'm begging people to listen to you. Mm. You are not shedding your Protestant roots. No, you're uh -huh. building on them as a Catholic woman. And I think that is so very important. I mm. really do think you are that bridge, that breath of fresh air that Catholicism needs today to move forward, especially in the United States church, not just here in Texas, but the whole United States. So help mm -hmm. us here, Stacy. What can we do to build the church, starting with our own families and our own parishes. During my journey into the Catholic Church, I remember being concerned that I would never fit in. And I guess in my mind, I thought I would always be that Catholic convert. Mm -hmm. But I know I wouldn't be here today. I, would, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't have the relationship with Jesus that I have. And I, I don't think I'd even be Catholic because I came, I became Catholic by way of the Baptist, non-denominational Protestant teaching and Protestant churches. I mean... Yeah. I mean, life wasn't easy. I rode the struggle bus more times than not, but God was always there. And I did go through some rough times, um, a lot of ups and downs. And the church I attended was my refuge. I mean, the more I got involved, the stronger I grew. I was able to attend classes, go to retreats, everything they offered as a stay-at-home mom because there was always something available for my kids. If I'd not been able to bring them with me, I would have missed out on so much, and mm -hmm. so would they. There was always something being offered for them. And I remember my kids being so excited because they, they were going to throw a pie <laughs> in the leader's face one day at church. I mean, they were pumped up. And I know that sounds crazy. It was a shaving cream pie. But, but I mean, these leaders would do anything it took to engage the kids. And mm -hmm. I was so impressed with their commitment and their passion and, and more importantly, with how the kids look forward to going. I mean, they would put on skits. They would dress up. They had puppet shows. They would do whatever it took to teach the kids in a fun environment. And yeah, I mean, people think, oh, well, they're just going to have fun. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're they kids. <laughs> they're kids. They did have fun. It was a blast, but they were learning. I mean, when I homeschooled, when I homeschooled my kids, I had to, I had to, figure out how each person learned. Like I had one son that was an auditory learner. I had one son that was a tactile learner. I can't mm. tell you how many spelling tests we took where he got to spell out the spelling words on the kitchen floor in shaving cream. I would put shaving cream all over the floor <laughs> and he'd spell it out with oh, his fingers because he was a tactile learner. So, I mean, yes, they're having fun, but they were learning and, you know, planted seeds grow when they're watered. And so we plant a lot of seeds in our homes, but then they, they would go to children's ministry or go to mm -hmm. church and those seeds would get watered. And Amen. I mean, I know life is demanding and I, gosh, there's so many 
distractions and commitments. But if we want to build community in our parishes, I, I just we have to be intentional. I was riding my horse last night and afterwards he, she was so hot. And I'm like, please drink water. But, you know, you can lead a horse to water and you cannot make it drink. You know, <laughs> you know literally know. <laughs> And parishes can offer all kinds of events. I, I, hear my heart on this. Parishes can offer all kinds of events. They can offer Bible studies, prayer groups, potlucks, game nights, outdoor movie nights, all kinds of get together parties and fellowship. But it's not going to do any good unless we attend. We have <laughs> to want it. We, the church, the the body of Christ, we have to want to build relationship and have fellowship with one another. And I believe God wants us to be in fellowship with of one course. another and to of build course. those relationships. So the like I said, the parishes can offer, but I just encourage everyone, women, families, all you fellas, go and be a part of the fellowship. We need you to want to want to be a part so that the parishes will continue to offer it. And, mm -hmm. and I just encourage everyone to be welcoming. Yeah. We all have a part to play and it takes work and it takes commitment to build something. And when I mentioned earlier, how important it is to attend the get togethers at church in order to build relationships. I mean, if you don't, you might miss out on something because there might be someone there who needs what you have. You might not even know it's in you till the Lord reveals it to you. And then all of a sudden you start sharing and you're thinking, where in the world did that come from? Well, that's the Holy Spirit moving within you. We all have a part to play and all you have to do is your part. That's all God's asking you to do. And God will do his. And it ties into what we were talking about with teenage pregnancy we can't just keep waiting for programs and programs. And I, th I think Catholics tend to do that sometimes because we have a hierarchy. What does the Pope want us to do? What do the Cardinals want us to do? What is our own bishop, the most local one? What does our own bishop and our pastor at our church want us to do? We, women are not part of the hierarchy. We are the Marthas and the Marys. And, and we're the mm -hmm. ones, we have so much to do to serve the church. I love it when you say all these things, Stacey. I love listening to you. I hope everybody's listening to you. Um, you've taught me so much during our renewed friendship already. Such a blessing. And um, you say little things, you say funny things that I hear. I play them in my, in my the tape of my head all the time now. Like when you say walk it through, I'm like, walk it through. Like in our teenage <laughs> pregnancy episode, I think we we said walk it through like seven or eight times. But so many times when things are hard, I'm like, walk it through, Stacey. Just keep going. In the way you know so many scripture verses, that's part of your Protestantism that you're not letting go. Um, you have a scripture verse for all kinds of little hints about how to live a good life. And I love how real you are about the struggle verses and other yes. Stacey Farquharsonism <laughs> of dealing with all the big words. Well, speaking of big words, let me tell you how much I <laughs> rode the struggle bus with the big words, the Catholic big <laughs> words when I first came into the the. Uh, Catholic Church. Well, I will say that one of the things that I noticed right away, um, well, two things. The first thing I noticed when Pat took me to a Catholic church was there was no coffee bar. I mean, <laughs> where's the coffee bar? I, I needed my coffee. <laughs> but the, the, the second thing that I really noticed that touched my heart. And no, wait, wait, what is the coffee bar at church? Oh, like, oh, what is this? Oh, so there's there's a coffee bar at church where you go in and you stand in line just like a Starbucks and you put your coffee order in and there's a barista and you get your coffee and then you go into the auditorium and you sip on your coffee. <laughs> and, and 
that would never I mean, fly in the church. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> that was that was my church. So, That's you there early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, I I understood that. But a beautiful part of the Catholic Church that just touched me right away was I felt like there was so much honor from mm-hmm. the younger generation to the older generation. I, I saw that. And I I saw the difference between that in the Catholic Church and that in my Protestant church. There was a lot of respect. There was a lot of honor. And, and I remember, Pat, when we would drive down the road, we would drive past a Catholic church. And I would see Pat cross himself. And I'd be like, what are you doing? Why do you do that? Driving down the road. And he said, I do it when I pass the church because my Lord is there. This church had perpetual adoration, this particular one. And he always crossed himself when we went by there. That touched me so much. He taught me just the respect and the honor and why they did things. Well, one day we were sitting in church and I saw an elderly lady kneel down before she got into the the pew there. Well, she got stuck. She couldn't get back up. And this sweet young, young teenager, he was probably 17, 16, 17, 18 years old. He helped her up. He grabbed hold of her and he helped her up. And I was so touched by that because that's what I was talking about, how the younger generation just honored the, just seemed to be right there supporting and honoring the older generation. I, I elbowed Pat and I said, oh, Oh, look, she flatulated and can't get up. (laughs) The look on Pat's face, he was like, it's genuflecting, honey. (laughs) But here, oh, (laughs) I mean, I I was in such a moment of awe. And then I just ruined the whole moment by getting (laughs) the wrong word in there. And why in the world I said that? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, you know, we're always saying there's a lot of big words to learn when you become Catholic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah I couldn't believe that one came out of my mouth, though. <laughs> so glad you like Oh, oh. Stacy. Okay. <laughs> but you were so innocently just in awe of what was going on there. Honestly, I was. Oh, we got to get Pat on here someday and ask him <laughs> to tell some of your stories. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh. I love that we're laughing. I'm sitting here wiping tears out of my eyes right now. Oh, that's so great. Just to bring what we're saying into the moment here. Last weekend, I had the honor. I mean, a great honor. Like I was just like, um, you know, fangirl. (laughs) I had the honor of sitting on a panel with Archbishop Corda Leone. He is the Archbishop who just recently wrote that letter telling Nancy Pelosi that he couldn't allow her to receive communion because of her support for abortion. He was in Tyler at the Eucharistic Congress that Bishop Strickland um, has had scheduled for our diocese for the 35th anniversary. And there were some questions. We were taking questions from the audience about the Eucharist. And Stacy, just like you're saying, there were some people who were asking about how do we bring back reverence for the Eucharist? And um, his answer was, well, it's going to take time for that kind of reform to roll around that this reverence for the Eucharist needs to begin in the seminaries and the seminarians need to be once again taught it. Um, and then when those seminarians become priests, uh, there will they will lead their parishes that way. And this young father stood up and he asked a question that I think a lot of people were wondering. I'm raising a family right now. I don't have time to wait 20 years until the seminarians become priests and 
and instill these values in their parishes. I need to know what we can do to build our church right now. Mm-hmm. And Archbishop Cordelione, I loved his answer because it, it fits with what we're saying, Stacey. He did, he did kind of laugh at first and say, I wish the Catholics in my diocese, had my archdiocese, had the same fervor as some of the Lutherans. You know, he was he was tipping his hat to the Protestants as well. But he said, you know, look, here's the thing. Yes, fundamental change needs to come at the root from the seminarians who become the priests. That's true. It needs to come from within the leadership in the church. But he said, in the moment right now, laity, mm-hmm. figure out how you can help your pastors. And he was telling this young father right now, for example, if you think children need to learn the beauty of Gregorian chant, go to your pastor with mm-hmm. a plan to start a chant camp and help raise the funding to do so and promote it to the parents and make sure the kids come. And the laity, of course, can't take over at the parishes. But what we are called to do, and this is different from Protestantism, so we do have to be obedient to our pastors and to our bishops and our pope. But what we are called to do is to be a help. Because Archbishop Mm -hmm. Cordelione was saying pastors are very busy people. They're fathers, right? They got big families. They're fathers. And they're busy being pastors. But he said pastors love it when someone in the laity comes to them and says, hey, I have this plan for this program at our church. I want to get your permission, but I'm not asking you to do anything. I just need to know that you give permission for me to go with this. And so you do need to work within the hierarchy and obedience, but, but don't let that be a deterrent to getting involved. And I'm saying it with so much passion now because my husband and I just did that. I, I left the Institute, right, to be home to be home with my kids and my family and my husband, to be home in my own parish. It just happened at our own parish here at Holy Family in Lindell, Texas. God was saying, Stacy, you need to step in and help with the children's education because there wasn't any CCD or sacrament formation. So I started helping, not knowing how I was even going to do it. And do you know what? We have over 40 kids getting ready to receive the sacrament of confirmation and first communion next month. Oh, that's so wonderful. God took that. I mean, and all, all Jose and I did was show up, start talking mm. to the parents. We made it matter. We showed, we didn't do it perfectly, but we showed that it matters and we care and other mm. parents are involved and kids are involved. Don't be afraid to roll up your sleeves and get involved at your parish. God yes. will lead you where you need to go, but we have to do these things for the families and for our kids. That makes me think of a scripture kind of paraphrasing it, but in Isaiah, it says where God guides, he provides. And I just, I just say, oh my goodness, amen, amen, because we all have a part to play. And if you see a need, then maybe it's God that's revealing that need to you and you can pray and ask him what he would like for you to do, what what steps he wants you to take. And, you know, I knew a wonderful woman at a church I had attended and she saw a need for a single mom's ministry. I mean, she reached out in concern and that's what they told her. They said, well, if you see that this needs to be done, do something about it. And Mm -hmm. and she did. And it has grown leaps and bounds. And I can't tell you the number of sweet mothers that have been blessed by her simple, faithful step of obedience. Amen. Basically, we're talking today about getting involved, building relationships. Mm -hmm. Why? And I think it's pretty simple. It's because people don't care what you know till they know that you care. I mean, I read something the other day that just screamed at me and I heard I've heard it before, but it seemed to be a lot louder to me this time. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Discipline without relationship leads to rejection. Ooh, that's like a one-two punch. 
Oh, I know. It just, it was just so loud in my ear and I've just been thinking about it. And, you know, we need relationships so that we can do what Ephesians 4, 5 instructs us to do. And that is speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can instruct, we can teach, lead, correct, discipline, but we have to do it in love. And we can't do that without relationship. I mean, I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has called me out on something. I mean, I feel like the Lord has corrected me on so many occasions. <laughs> but you know what? Never once have I felt rejected, unloved or condemned. It's like God will correct me on something and and straighten me out. And I can't wait to tell somebody about it because I'm so excited. Number one, that I heard God. But I just feel so loved that he loves me so much that he's showing me a better way. And I mean, God is love. So mm-hmm. when he speaks, he speaks in love and he even corrects us lovingly in love. It's convicting. It's not condemning. Yeah. And when we build relationships, when we build relationships, we can do the same thing, but we can't really do that outside relationships. We come across as condescending and critical and we can actually push people away instead of drawing them near. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Discipline without relationship leads to rejection. We need a t-shirt that says that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure who said that first. Like I said, I have heard that several Mm -hmm. times, but I'm telling you, it just is, it's playing Mm -hmm. over and over. Talk about Mm -hmm. that record right now. It's playing Mm -hmm. over and over in my mind and I've just been meditating on it. You know, Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think that that is is also very important that we cannot frustrate our children. We have to make sure that we have that relationship with our Mm -hmm. children so that when we discipline them, we're not pushing them away. It's not going to lead to rejection. They're not going to feel rejected. You know, I always want to (laughs) say, I know I say this almost every week. It's another Stacyism. Well, it's, it's just a scripture that I just, it just, yeah. It's so loud to me. You know, I always say things are so loud to me. It's like I just I hang on to them. It's the Mm -hmm. kindness of God. It's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. You know, I mean, we are so not called to be judges. We are called to build relationships which will build the church. And if we are to help each other get to heaven, then we we got to do what Jesus tells us. And that is to love one another. I mean, I'm even sitting here going, amen. I'm like, oh, wait, is that too Protestant? <laughs> <laughs> amen, sister. So I struggled so hard with relationships. It was almost a, a perfect storm for me coming into the church as a chemist who already didn't understand anything spiritual. I didn't have any language to deal with intellect, free will, spiritual souls, rational souls, God, angels. Like that was a whole new reality I had to get my head around. But that also means I didn't have any way to deal with relationships. I approached relationships, bonds with other people the same way I approached bonds with atoms and molecules. Like, you know, it's nothing personal. If my electrons don't want to orbit around your nucleus, it's just not going to happen. It did mess up. (laughs) Shocker. It messed up my relationships because it turned me into a control freak. And then when I became Catholic, this is a danger of someone who's so into scientism. I became Catholic. I was all about the rules. Yeah, I was all about the rules. I'm like, I wanted to follow the rules. I wanted to know all the rules and I wanted to teach my kids all the rules. But I I look back and I'm like, I didn't do the relationship part. But I hope my kids understand now it's because I couldn't. I, Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't know how to love. It is the goodness of God that draws men to repentance.
I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacy Trisankos. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information.